and Pogba leaves for McTominay! Magnificent! Torres, he's done it again! He has fizzed that into the bottom corner. Vardy for Chowdhury. And set for Madison! Alisson saw Salah running from his own half, so onside here, Mo Salah. Salah to settle it! In front of the cop! There's no feeling like that feeling! And now you've got to believe them. You have got to believe them. Hey guys, welcome to the all-new weekly Premier League podcast, covering everything from transfers, results and all the latest news. I'll be joined every week by fellow football enthusiasts Peter and Angus as we chat through all things Premier League. Right, let's start with Arsenal, top of the alphabetical Premier League at least for now. They brought in a couple of high-profile players, a couple of lesser-so players that they managed to get done before the end of last season. So they brought in Willian on a free from Chelsea. Pretty good business in my opinion. And also Gabriel Magalhaes. God knows how you say his name, but he cost them 18 million and he's from... Lille, I believe, and their third, I guess, major signing was Danny Ceballos back on loan. The only outgoing is Mkhitaryan, so I'd say, as far as I'm concerned, they've strengthened. Yeah, I would agree. I think Williams definitely a solid sign to come in, pace down the wing, experience. It's something which, for years, Arsenal's been missing in my eyes. They've, they've had some talented players, but they've never really had that grit to get them through and push them on, so hopefully that will help increase them a lot. Possibly not too much. Um, I think Cedric Suarez, interesting signing at right back on the free transfer. Good backup, but there's all the links with Bellerin going away. I don't know if he'd be a great first choice right back for them. So, But on, on the whole, strength in the defence, which is important for them. So I think, yeah, good movements. I think possibly they need another centre mid still to come in. Yeah, I'd agree with both you guys. I think they've strengthened really well. Um, They've managed to hold on to their key players um, and, yeah, just brought in some some good reinforcements, which they were definitely in need of. So it overall looks like a pretty solid transfer window for them. And how do you see Arteta's momentum carrying on to the season? Do you see them pushing on and really flying back for that Champions League spot? Or do you think they're kind of stuck in that fifth and sixth spots that they can't really, haven't been able to get out of the last couple of seasons? Um, I think Champions League is probably still a bit of a push for them, just in terms of the quality of the other squads around them. It's a possibility, but I think they're probably more likely going to be aiming for you know a solid sort of fifth, sixth position. Um, I mean, obviously they'll be aiming for higher, but I, I'm not sure that's necessarily achievable at the moment, just just based on the other opposition around them. I can see them at the start of the season coming in with, on a bit of a bit of a high, obviously winning the cup. See them doing well to begin with. Especially with Fulham first up, quite a nice, easy fixture for them. So I think first few games, I could get on a good winning streak. But after that, I can see them, especially when it comes to around December time, obviously hardest time of the year. I think Arsenal have always been a bit fragile and I think they'll have players cracking. Willian, who I believe would probably make a really good start to the season, but will he pick up injuries? I think he's quite likely at his age. I don't see them pushing on for the top four, but I think six, seven, around that area, I think. Yeah, I think that's about right. I think somewhere just below the top four, I think Arteta will definitely get them going early doors. But whether they can continue that beyond Christmas, like you said, it'll be uh, interesting to see. Right, moving next on to to Villa. Bit of a relegation struggle for them last season. Stayed up 
thanks for some VAR shenanigans. Um, a somewhat average transfer window for them. I guess the main news for them is that Jack Grealish has stayed after the uh, many, many, many rumours that he was going to Man United, but it looks like he's staying put at least for, for now. I guess there's still a month left on the transfer window, so he could still pack his bags. But on top of that, they brought in Ollie Watkins on transfer record for them. 27 million, very good championship player. Whether he's got the, the gas in him to bring that into the Prem as well, be very interesting to see. Doesn't really seem like they're going to bring in too many other players. I think that's a big transfer for them. So, oh, they've also brought in Matt Cash, I guess, the, the, the defensive player from Nottingham Forest. So they've reinforced. Whether they have enough reinforcements to avoid a repeat of last season uh, will be interesting to see. Um, yeah, what are your thoughts on their transfer business? Uh, Ollie Watkins, I think, is a really interesting one, quite an exciting signing. A lot of money for a championship striker, though. A lot of money. Someone who's, yes, he's had a good couple of seasons now, but can he transfer that into the Premier League? We've seen in the past, it can be really difficult. There's players like, even last season, we had Shea Adams. He scored a hatful whilst he was in championship. Came up to Premiership, really struggled. Got going at the end, but I think his return was four goals for this season. Hopefully, Ollie Watkins will do better. I think I quite like what, when I've watched him at Brentford. So hopefully he'll do well, but it, it's going it's a big ask. And again, they've obviously they brought in Matty Cash at defence, but last season won the worst in the league defensively. Is it enough? I'm not sure. I'm not sure if they've got a strong enough midfield either, not in the centre. Anyway, um yeah, I think it might be a push for them. Yeah, I think um I think Ollie Watkins is is potentially a great signing, but it's one of those that we just really won't know until probably a good five, six game weeks in, and then we'll really get a feel for how he's going to shape up against the the Premier League defenders. Um, I think a, a big boost for them really is keeping hold of Grealish. Um, I think most people probably thought he was going to go elsewhere in the summer. Um, so to, to still have him in, in the squad and around the squad um, going into the start of the new season is a massive boost for them. Um, but I have to agree with Angus. I'm just not sure it's going to be enough um, for them, they they were on the verge of going down last season, and and as Matt, as you just alluded to, they they stayed up effectively because of a dodgy sort of goal line technology fault. Um, so I feel like they maybe needed to bring in a couple more than you know just two players to really give themselves a good chance this season. Uh, following on the the greenest part, I still don't think he'll be. Part of me, don't, I don't see him being there. Come midway through the well at the end of the transfer window because he could be a late late jump for Man United. I can see them going for him. And even though he's a home club player, I, just, I can't see him refusing Man United. He would have to go surely. Yeah, if Grealish is on on his way, then I think Villa are really going to struggle this season. So hopefully for their sake he sticks around at least till January. Um moving down to the South Coast and we've got Brighton. Brighton have always been surprising everyone, I guess. They've always fought above their, their pay grade a little bit. I think they've come into the Premier League and they've really established themselves now as, as one of those clubs who, who look pretty safe, probably safer than anyone really expected them to be. Um, this summer, they've brought in a couple of players. One, I guess, the, the high-profile one is Adam Lallana on a free from Liverpool, albeit probably past his best, but could offer them quite a lot if he starts games for them. Um, another bit of good business from them is Ben White, the, the Leeds defender from last season. He signed a new contract at the club and I think he's going to be a mainstay in their defence. He looked real solid at Leeds last year. So, yeah, I think they've made some good business there. But equally, they've, they've let a lot of players go this, this summer. And I think players like Aaron Moy and uh, Shane Duffy, players who have 
fairly established in their starting eleven, and now gaps that they need to fill. So, yeah, for me, not the best transfer window from Brighton, and it will be very interesting to see how they get on, especially early doors with uh, with Lallana and some other injury prone players. Yeah, I think uh, with Lallana, um, I always think he's just one of those players. For the last couple of years, he's been seen as one of those people, a bit like sort of Jesse Lingard, you know, that kind of oh, he's still a young player. He's still got potential. And then you, you look at how old he is and actually he really is getting on now um, in, in terms of sort of a, the ages of a lot of Premier League players. I think he's going to be a good signing for them. He's the kind of spark that they need, really. Um, but as you said, Matt, they've let a huge number of players go. And when you do that, there's a, a danger that you take sort of that core sort of team spirit out and the, the sort of camaraderie between the players potentially is not there anymore um it'll be really interesting to see how they get on in their first couple of games to see sort of how they gel as a team early on yeah Adam Lallana's at 32 years old now he's not he's not getting any younger so it'll be very interesting to see if he can pull pull the strings at that age yeah I agree with both of you especially on Adam Lallana he's coming in after two three seasons probably three seasons now of being very hit and miss we don't know what standard he's at these days. Yes, back back a few years ago when he left Southampton, went to Liverpool, he was great. He was on the half turn, could use both feet, good at pressing, really talented player. But it's been years and he's definitely going to be a bit of an unknown quantity. We don't know what's going to come from him, but that worry of his injuries is always going to be there. And can he last a full 90 minutes? Even when he was playing for Southampton, rarely did he play the full 90 minutes, especially for the first few seasons under Pochino. And I'd be concerned if he could do it again for Brighton. And I am really worried about him. I can see them being a potential go down. And I don't see this season where they're going to get the goals from. So they are one of my tips to be definitely down there struggling, battling away. Okay, next up we have Burnley. Burnley, the team that have just signed a second string goalkeeper in Will Norris. So probably one of the most underwhelming transfer windows in their recent history. Not that they are exactly renowned for having very exciting transfers. All we have really is that they've lost a couple of players that I guess you could argue were starters for them and Jeff Hendrick. Jeff Hendrick's a fairly you know, robust midfielder. I think he'll do well at Newcastle. And then they just released Joe Hart, who's oddly gone to Tottenham, keeps landing on his feet, that bloke. And then, yeah, Ben Gibson, I think, was a transfer they had a couple of years ago. It didn't quite work out. He's gone out on loan. So, yeah, for me, I think... Burnley are one of those teams who have relied on their, their way of football for too long. I think they're starting to get found out by teams. And I, I don't think, you know, they've really pushed on where, when, they, when they should have. I think, you know, a couple of years ago, they finished in the Europa League spots, got Europa League. But after that, very little happened. So they're too reliant on their defence. And if they, if they are rumoured to be losing James Tarkovsky, then, you know, that's a big hole that they're going to have to fill there. And then they've only really got Chris Wood up front to, to score them goals. So... Yeah, I think this could be a season of struggle for Burnley. I could easily see Burnley being the next one to go. Yes, they've had years of solid results. And obviously, Sean Dyche, quality manager. But surely they can't keep it up. He's a manager who's he's done a lot with that team with very little, very, very little funds. But as you say, Will Norris, second-choice goalkeeper, comes in. few players out, especially Jeff Hendrick. I think that's a really key one for him to lose. And there's no... There's no talk, no room of any players coming in. And I, I think maybe this might be the one. This might be the season they start to struggle. It might not be the season they go down, but a little bit like when Stoke were in a similar vein, a battling team, a tricky team to go to. 
team started to work them out, see them out, and if they lose Tarkovsky, that is a huge gap in our centre defence. One of the best, in my eyes, one of the best defenders in the league. Great centre back, and it'll be a big loss. Doesn't look like anyone's in for Pope, which actually I think is a bit of a surprise. I think he could have been quality signing for Chelsea. I don't really rate Kepa as much, and I think Pope could have been great first choice goalkeeper for them. So yeah, Burnley for me in danger, not very. Well, very underwhelmed by their the transfer window so far. Yeah, I think you've you've both said it all really. I mean, it's there's not there's not too much to sort of be positive about there if you're a Burnley fan. Um, the only thing I would say is if there was one manager in the league that you would say could survive an underwhelming transfer window and get through a season with the with the tools he's got, um, Sean Dyke's probably the man to do it um, in the Premier League at the moment. But yeah, it's going to be a really tough ask for them. Um, without any sort of reinforcements and, and losing at least one of their key players already. Now moving on to probably the the busiest transfer window I can remember for the blue side of London. That's Chelsea. Um, an absolutely crazy transfer window. I can't remember. I think Real Madrid had a similar one, maybe uh, 2012, 2013 with this like players, but nothing on this one for Chelsea. I mean, you've got Timo Werner, you've got Hakim Ziyech, you've got Ben Chilwell. Thiago Silva and this week Kai Havertz, another huge signing. They spent over 200 million on players and, you know, the board have properly backed Frank Lampard this summer and I think he deserved it. I think he had a great first season in charge and I think I think these players are only going to help. I mean, you've got some world-class talent there. You've got Timo Werner, a very established striker for international level, Champions League level. I think he's guaranteed to get them goals. And then you've got Kai Havertz who's been lighting up the Bundesliga for about two years now. I think... You know, this transfer business is is unreal for for Chelsea and the Premier League. I think watching Chelsea this year is going to be a completely different experience. And to be honest, I'm just really excited to see what they're going to play like. I think these players are game changers. And, um, you know, if, if they're going to be there and thereabouts, then they've got to sign players of this calibre. And that's what, exactly what they've done. So, yeah, I'm intrigued to think to see what you guys think of, of Chelsea. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I think they've done amazingly. I think we all knew that um, at some stage, whether it was this transfer window or another uh, come sort of soon, they were going to make some big signings. Um, the transfer ban that they, they had, they've done really well to get through that without suffering particularly um, badly. Done well with the players they've had. A huge credit to Frank Lampard there for what he's done with that squad. Um but yeah, I mean, the reinforcements they've made and that the players they've brought in, it's just sensational business for them. Um, and I think as a, a Premier League fan, it's exciting to see some of those those names sort of being uh, people that are coming to the Premier League. Like Timo Werner, for example, is just someone that, you know, he's really at his prime at the moment. And it's, it's exciting to see someone making that move um, into the league that we all love and that we're going to be watching week in, week out. Even if you're not a fan of Chelsea, it's it's going to, as, as you said, Matt, it's going to be really interesting to see how they play and how they get on. Yeah, definitely agree with both of you. It's an exciting time to be a Premier League fan, to have a team like Chelsea bringing in some of the world-class talent from all over the world. The last, like, 10 years, a lot of the Spanish teams have been well, I say Spanish teams, Real Madrid and Barcelona have been hoovering up the talent across the whole of Europe. And it's really great to see the Premier League starting to really, all the top managers are here, and now we're getting a lot of the top talent. And I think it's only going to make it better, and it's going to be great to watch. My only concern for Chelsea is 
they have had this very talented youth group coming through and all these, well, almost like a Galactico signings might put a stop to some of these lads coming through. Like Tammy Abraham, is he going to get much time up front with Timo Werner? He was starting to, I know, yeah, at the end of last season, starting to struggle, but I can't see him ever getting ahead of Timo Werner. Obviously, Hudson Odoi, a couple of years ago, all the rage, all the talk looked like he was going to go to Bayern Munich, stayed. Was he going to go? Was he going to come? But no, he's he's staying, but I think he's going to really struggle to get into that Chelsea side. And it's a shame to see such talents possibly get wasted. But at the same time, watching the, the talented players who have come in, it's going to be amazing to watch. Yeah, I totally agree. I think they, they might be missing a keeper. I think Kepa's been, uh, you know, he's been a bit of a liability in, in recent seasons. I think he's never really lived up to the expectation that they, they wanted from him. And they're linked with Mendy now from Rennes. So, you know, I think that would be the last piece of the jigsaw for them. I think if they get a new keeper, I think they're going to be really set up for what could be a, you know, a very special season for them. Um, right, let's go on to Palace then. Um, what to say about Palace? I mean, the main thing about Palace every season now is that they kept hold of Wilfred Zaha. Every year he's rumoured away, every year he stays. So I don't know what they're paying him, but it must be a fairly substantial wage. And uh, to partner him this season, they've gone and spent £20 million on, I guess, another similar player in Abere Eze from QPR. I think he's a really exciting signing for them. Whether they need two players in the team that... Are very similar. You, you could argue maybe not, but maybe that's a contingency for Zahar leaving. But at the moment, they're very stacked with, you know, attacking talent. Especially today, they brought in Michi Bashuai on a season-long loan from Chelsea. So I think, you know, those front three players could really cause a lot of Premier League teams' defenses trouble. You know, they haven't sold anyone either. So I think for Palace, it's a season of consolidation. I guess. I guess I think they'll be looking to push up towards the, you know, the top ten as they've never really broken into, but. You know, with the with the team that they have, I just think they needed to probably bolster their ranks with some more signings than just those three. So, yeah, it'd be interesting to see how Palace get on. I know Roy's notorious for playing such exciting football, so we'll see how Palace get on. Yeah, I definitely agree with you on the signings. A bit, a bit underwhelming. Yeah, interesting, got another winger like Zaha, but is that what they needed? In my eyes, probably not. Um, still got some talent in the middle of the park, so it's not too much worry in the centre mids, but it's a defence. It's yes, they've been solid and they play boring football, but I always felt that they could be countered and hunted down. And then up front, you bring in Michi, yeah, decent, but is he going to get them enough goals? Because obviously Ben Teke is not going to get them any anytime soon, so they could be struggling again. And it's always brave to tip a Roy Hodgson side to go down, but. Can't see him being much far further ahead than the bottom five in the league. Yeah, I'm. I, th- I think they're they're not going to do anything amazing this season. Um, the one thing that I would maybe slightly disagree with on on what you said, Matt, about Zaha. Um, yeah, for them, he's it's a good guy to hold on to. Um, historically, he's been great for them. Um, but last season, thirty eight appearances, four goals, and three assists is so underwhelming for a player of his quality. Um, and I think it's, it's it's something that if he doesn't step that up, I, I really can't see him getting a big move anywhere. Um, there's not going to be any of the big teams looking at those stats and thinking that he's a player that they want to sign. We all know he's got potential and we've, we've seen what he can do on his day. Um, but that's, that's an alarming return for me, uh, for someone that's supposed to be their star player. Um, I mean, four goals in, in 38 appearances from anyone that plays in, in a forward line is is not a great return. 
Yeah, maybe Zaha's missed the train on his big move away from Palace. I mean, that return on a scoring front is, is very poor from someone of his quality. And I don't know what was up with Palace towards the end of last season, but they couldn't buy a win. So if he's not going to get them goals, then, you know, you're having to, having to look elsewhere. And it's going to be a real struggle for them, I think. I also can't see them ever getting the type of money they, which is always bandied about for Zaha. They, I've often heard 60, 70, 80 million. And for me, he's he's just not that good. He's not. He's an exciting player to watch. He's great dribble. He's, I love watching him. But is he in that league? I, I can't see it. I've, in my mind, you're looking at maybe 30 million tops. And Crystal Palace, he, he means more to them than that. But I can't see any of the bigger clubs coming in and spending the type of money they're asking for. There's better players out there. Yeah, it'll be very interesting to see where he ends up. But at the moment, he stays put in South London. So we'll see. Uh, moving on, we have probably the second best transfer window, in my opinion, in the blue side of Mersey in Everton. I mean, Ancelotti there has really had a big say and I guess the players he wants in this summer. They've spent big money on big names and I think, you know, exactly what they needed after last season. Uh, Ancelotti coming in, I don't think he really managed to mould the team in the way he wanted. I think he got a couple of players playing better than they, they were before in Calvert-Lewin um, and and I think Richarlison played well too. But I think these signings in James-Rodriguez, you know, the quality, quality signings in Rodriguez, Allen and Ducore, I think that just makes their midfield like 10 times better than it was before. I think it's a huge upgrade. And um, yeah, I really do think with these transfers, you know, I guess you could argue it's just the midfield, but I think that's been a long-term weakness for them. And it will be interesting to see just how successful Ancelotti can uh, can be with Everton. Yes, um, definitely agree. James Rodriguez, always remember that 2012 World Cup, not 2016. When he came in, he was world-class. Won the, in my eyes, should have won the player of the tournament. And it's a travesty that he didn't. That wonderful volley we all remember. Has his club career stood up quite to the same standard? No, not not really. But he still had some great moments and still plays for some big clubs around the world. And I can see him really, hopefully, lighting up the Premier League. Something else a bit sadder is going to see Leighton Baines, who's retired. Used to love him. When I was younger, watching him banging free kicks, great left foot, really good penalties. It's a shame to see him retired, but... He's deserved it. He's had a really good career. And it'll be interesting to see how Ancelotti slots them all into his team. Obviously, world, world-class manager up there, arguably in the top three managers in the league. And he has all the experience. If he can get that team going, obviously Everton have a pretty good fan base. It could be a really exciting season for them and their fans. Yeah, definitely. There's, there's the potential there for it to be a great season for them. Um, it really... In my opinion, it's really going to come down to how those new signings fit into the team. If they hit the ground running and they uh, they they perform the way we probably all expect them to perform, um, they could have a fantastic season. It, it feels for me almost like sort of the start of the next chapter of sort of Everton being that club that's pushing to be in the top six. Obviously, they've got a, a potentially a new stadium on the horizon, um, although I think that's actually confirmed new stadium on the horizon at some stage um you know they've got good good ownership wealthy ownership there's the potential for that club really to to become one of the the big teams in in england now i think yeah huge potential for everton this season i think yeah a lot will a lot will depend on those signings and how well they bed in um yeah but if ancelotti is the man to back then i think the board have done a great job doing that all right moving on to fulham 
newly promoted, obviously, back in the Premier League after a one-year absence. Um, some low-key signings, not the busiest transfer window. I think they they really needed to strengthen ahead of this season. I think last season, that's or the season they came up, sorry, the before last, is something they really didn't do well enough. They bought in a lot of players for a lot of money, but none of them really found their feet in the Premier League and that ultimately cost them their Premier League spot. I think a couple of the Southampton loanies that, or signings that they brought in are, are okay. You know, Harrison Reid obviously did very well for them in the Championship, but I think, you know, it's very difficult to step up your game and, and be a week-in, week-out Premier League uh, midfielder. So, you know, Harrison Reid's got to try and cement his place in the team. Then you've got Mario Lamina as well. He never really found his feet at Southampton, but he could well get some game time at Fulham and that could see him kick on. Um, then you've got some some notable outs in Alfie Mawson, a defender they spent a lot of money on two seasons ago before they got promoted to the Premier League. Well, he's now been loaned back to the Championship with Bristol City. So, yeah, it's been an interesting, interesting transfer under for Fulham. A lot will depend on how they adapt to the Premier League. They've obviously had that experience from two seasons ago where they weren't quite at it. But I think Scott Parker will give them a lot of drive. You know, their fans, even if they're not in the stadium, they're great. And um, yeah, I think I think they are a Premier League team. They just need to need to show it this time. Agree on the Southampton signings here. Harrison Reid showed himself in the Championship to be a very good centre mid. Could pass the ball, could get keep the game moving, and very defensively, very solid. Could get across and cover a lot of ground in each game. Mario Lamina, talented player. There's no denying that. Very talented player. Has he got the will to play in the Premier League? I'm not sure. I'm not sure if he's got the grit for it either. It's, if you went and watched his YouTube, like a YouTube clip of him, he looks world-class. He can do tricks, he can go past players, he can do some great balls. But can he hack it in the Premier League? I'm not so sure. And then the rest, just no nothing signings really. And then I worry if they've got enough Premiership experience to get them up. I think the Premier League is... It's a big step up from the championship. And are they going to be ready? I just can't see it. I think when when you look at Fulham as a, a Premier League side, um, the, their last two seasons in the Premier League, they finished 19th most times with, with a really underwhelming points tally. Um, the, the one thing that I thought really could have kept them up last time um, was Mitrovic. Um, he's, their, he's their leading goal scorer for the last two seasons. He's... He is a fantastic striker. There's no denying that. And I think the last time they were in the Premier League, he was really unlucky not to score more goals than he did. Um, I think if he can push on and, and perform this time, um, they've got potentially one of the best sort of strikers in in really the bottom half of the table. And that could be the difference for them. But looking at, at the rest of their squad, I have to agree with Angus. There's it, There's a worrying lack of sort of real... Premier League experience there that that's, could be a real issue for them in terms of staying up this season. Yeah, it's the experience to play out the games. And I agree with Mitrovic, wonderful striker, powerful, strong, good finisher. Only worry, sometimes his temperament can get himself sent off. Like we saw early in the Leeds game when he was it like four minutes he was sent off for elbowing someone, I think it was. He's got that danger to his side. He might lose his rag, might snap someone, might elbow someone, might lash out. And if things are going to be even trickier in the Premier League, it's possibly even more likely to happen. And the other thing is, we know in the past he has been prone to picking up the little knocks. And if he's not in their side, where are the goals coming from? So after a long absence, Leeds are back in the Premier League now. Uh, 
I mean, I don't even know what to say about Leeds. They're just one of those teams who belong in the Premier League. I think they've been away for so long that people, you know, have got used to them being in the Championship. But, you know, they're no doubt a sleeping giant and, and they've been away for too long. And, you know, under Bielsa, I think they're going to be here for a while, to be honest. I don't see them going down this season. I think they've made some good signings in the summer. You know, reinforcements, they've not lost anyone. One of the few teams that have come up and not sold anyone. And I think their their core is really important to Leeds. They have players who play a certain way. Bielsa will only sign players who, who bed into his philosophy. So he's obviously scouted these players that they brought in the summer very closely, knowing that they can play his style of football. And I think Rodrigo, who is their, their headline signing this summer, is going to be very important for them. I think he's proved himself on an international level. He's been scoring goals for Valencia, I believe it is, for, for a couple of seasons now. And, you know, that's a real big signing and, and, a, and a sign of intent for Leeds. And uh, they brought in another defender as well, Robin Cox. So, um, you know, these two signings, uh, they might not be all that noticeable from afar. I think people might glaze over them. But when you think about how thoroughly they must have been scouted for Bielsa to, to, to buy them, then, you know, I think it's pretty good business. And Jack Harrison from Man City is another good addition. He was on loan there last year. So, you know, this core group of players could well keep their, you know, their, their spirits high. And I think they could well bring their form from the Championship into the Premier League. So it'll be very interesting to keep an eye on Leeds this season. Yeah, definitely. They're um, Just watching them last season, they looked like a Premier League team in the Championship. With the way they played, the, the, the pace of their game, the intensity, the tempo of it. it was, they were really impressive to watch last year. And I can't see anything other than them doing really well um, in, the league, in the Premier League this season. Um, as you said, Matt, with their signings, you know, it's hard to look at those signings and think they're not going to be good for the team. What we know about Bielsa is that he's so obsessive about statistics and and the scouting and making sure that the players are right and they're the right fit for every position. And, you know, you've just got to trust that he's looked at those players, seen that they're the right people for that team and decided that that's, that's the way he's going to go. And I can't see them doing anything else but having a great season, to be honest. Robin Cook, the German international centre-back for £13 million. I think that's, that's, that's a great signing. Adds a bit more strength to their defence. Obviously, they've lost White to Brighton. But for the amount of money they've spent on just get, bringing in a player, I think he's on not dissimilar standard to White. So I think he he could be one to really watch out for at the heart of that defence. Then there's also talk about Draxler coming in. And if they can get Draxler... I think that could be really interesting side to watch. Pushing up for a top 10. Beastler, solid manager. It's a couple more signings, possibly just to bring in a bit more experience into that team. But yeah, very interesting side. And like Matt said, it's great to see Leeds back. They have been missing for far too long. And I want to go watch my Ellen Road. Only issue is my neighbour is a Leeds fan and he will not shut up. Next up, we're moving to Leicester. Uh, interesting off-season for Leicester. I, I would say last season was a bit underwhelming for them. I think they were, after they won the league, you know, I think they were really expected to push on and establish themselves, you know, as a top four, top six team. But they've struggled to do that. And, and I think a main reason is their, is their transfers. Um, the only transfer I can remember in recent times for them that's, that's really excited me, at least, is, is Tielemans. And um, yeah, he's been great for them. But uh, I, I would say they're just lacking you know, a little bit of impetus. I think Brendan Rodgers could definitely be doing a little bit more to get them going. And I think the loss of Ben Shearwell this summer is really going to hurt them. He was, you know, solid both defensively and offensively. I think he provided a lot for the team. They brought in a defender like-for-like replacement in Tim Castanier. But, you know, I think you've got to be doing more than that 
in the off-season. I don't think you can keep relying on Jamie Vardy for goals. And, um, yeah, for, for Brendan Rodgers, I thought he would have you know, been a bit more of a wheeler-dealer this window, but it seems their transfer business for now at least is done. And, um, yeah, I think it's going to be a case of, you know, what could have been for Leicester again. I think it's it's a massively disappointing transfer window for them. You, you think last season, final day of the season, and they were still potential for a Champions League spot there, and they missed out just. Um, you, you would like to think if you're a fan of Leicester, you, you'd look at that and want your owners to seize the initiative and go, we've got a really great position here. Let's push on and improve on that. But instead, they've they've really just sort of sat still. They've not, they've not improved. They've not... Um, not really done anything to be honest I, I think it's really disappointing from them yeah I'm not sure I'm not sure I fully agree about previous transfer windows Matt um I think in the past they've done some really good signings indeed he came in Madison came in obviously they got like you said Thielmans so I actually think they've done quite well in transfer windows in the past and they've spent okay amounts of money but not not loads however I think they've gone backwards Chilwell great left back they had a poor end to the season. It looked so good all the way through. They were playing really well, great football. Obviously, they struggled with some injuries at the end. Madison going huge one. I think he is he's their one who gets a play going. He's their attacking force. He gets a game turned from back to front really quickly. And missing out on him with injuries really, really hurt them a lot. And I think, I think they're going to struggle to repeat it this season. I, they need to keep key players fit. If Vardy gets injured, if Madison gets injured, Asper Schmeichel gets injured, one of the centre-backs gets injured, I think any one of them gets injured and they're going to be struggling and they're going to be obviously still top 10, but I, I can't see them pushing on for the top four or even, even the top six. I think the other teams have strengthened far better and yeah, I think I think they might be dropping out of that that top six. Yeah, on top of that, Leicester have to worry about European competition this season. So I think the fact that they've only made one signing and their squad depth isn't great could well end up down the line in, in a bit of trouble. So worth keeping an eye on that. And next up, we got champions, Liverpool. I think, you know, you look at Liverpool's season last year and you can only praise it. I think that the way they kept their squad so tight-knit, the way they brought in players, the way they managed their team, I think everything about it was just, you know, class. And, you know, they deservedly won the league by the, in the end. And it was an absolute runaway. I don't think I can remember a title challenge quite as convincing as that one. Um, probably won't be repeated anytime soon. And, you know, you, you look at their chances this summer and they've only brought in the one player. And you can argue, yeah, they can only, they can justify that because they won the league so easily. But um, for me, it's an interesting transfer window for them. You know, you look around them and everyone else has strengthened. And they just seem to have not done so. And maybe this is financially you know, just not not viable for them right now in this current pandemic situation that, you know, they just can't spend the money that everyone else is. But you would think off the title winning season they had last year, they would have some revenue from that. But it seems they've just spent the 12 million on, on a Greek left back. Um, or is he a right back? I think he's there to, to cover Robertson. So, um, yeah, I mean, you look at it and it's quite underwhelming. And, you know, you'd think after a title as convincing title that they won last year that they would they would push on and really consolidate and be in for some of the targets that, you know, like maybe Chelsea have signed. Like, why aren't they in for Havertz? So, um, yeah, you could argue that you might not get into their team, that their team's very strong already. But, you know, for me, it's it's a little disappointing. And to lose players like Dejan Lovren, who was, who was a very good cover centre-back and, and well-loved at the club, I think, you know, could well affect, you know, the dressing room. So, for me, Liverpool, very impressive last season. 
I'm, I'm, I'm very, very interested to see how they get on this year. Yeah, it's interesting that Liverpool have gone for a second season in a row with not signing anyone. Last season, they signed just Mimino for money. They got Adrian in. They got Harvey Elliott in from Fulham, the young, talented player. But they haven't done anything to really move the club forward. And the Warriors, with some of the other teams like City, strengthening as well, you'd say, are they going to hold on to that top spot? I'd say arguably yes, but they are at risk. A little bit like Leicester, they're at risk. Couple of injuries, and I, I, I'm not I'm not saying they're going to drop out of the top four anytime soon. I can't see that happening. But a lot of injuries to key players, and then they might be struggling in that battle against Man City for the winning the title. And if they can get their hands on Thiago, he is a talent, and we want to see him in the Premier League. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm not sure they will bring anyone else in. To be honest, I mean, obviously Thiago is the obvious one that if they can get him in, fantastic for them. I actually saw a really interesting um, thread on Twitter earlier in the week. Um, I can't remember who it was from, unfortunately, otherwise I'd give them a shout out. But um, it, basically summarising Liverpool's financial situation and, and basically explaining how they have a lot less money to spend on players than, than some of the other clubs around them, namely obviously City and United, despite winning the Champions League and then the Premier League in consecutive seasons, which obviously brings in a huge amount of revenue. Um for various reasons, the the way their finances work, they just don't have that same sort of liquidity to be able to splash the cash on those those big signings. Um, so, you know, it's interesting to see a team sort of in that position of being sort of on top of the world on the pitch, but potentially still having a few issues off the pitch that are going to potentially hamper them from having a real sort of long-term uh, success right at the very top. As you said, Angus, they're not dropping out of the, the top four at any time soon, but whether they can hold on to the and, and win the league again, I'm not convinced. Yeah, it's a hell of a feat to retain the Premier League, so good luck to Liverpool and Jurgen Klopp. If anyone's going to do it, I guess he's a quite a likely candidate. And then their biggest title rivals, arguably, are next in Manchester City. I think last season for them was just massively underwhelming. You know, they, they were expected to, to do big things. They thought it might finally be, be their year in the Champions League. But again, everything just seemed to crumble around them towards the end of the season. Some really poor results in the league. I saw them drop ground to Liverpool early on. And then, you know, once the Champions League restarted, they just didn't look like the team that we were used to. You know, they, they got basically destroyed by the third best team in France. So how much blame does that land on Guardiola? How much is it players being, you know, unenthused about the situation? You know, it's, it's difficult to difficult to know, but... This summer, they brought in some good players. I think, again, their, their transfer windows tend to be pretty solid season on season now. They do tend to bring in good talent for good prices. So you've got Ferran Torres, a midfielder from the Liga, I think Valencia or someone like that. So, you know, that's a, that's a good signing for them. They've lost Sane, obviously. So like for like there, I think the depth they have up, you know, in, in their attacking ranks now is just unreal. Albeit they have lost David Silva as well. So I think, you know, there is a bit to make up there. But I think, you know, the players they have in those positions in Aguero, Sterling, Mares, you know, go on uh, Silva as well. So, you know, they're not really struggling there. And then you've got Nathan Ake at the back, which is probably, you know, the biggest signing they've made this summer. And, and you could argue maybe they've overspent on him. He's a great centre-back. He always, always te- tended to play well for Bournemouth. But, you know, the, every summer now, Man City just tend to buy defenders. And each season it doesn't work out, you know. For me, it's interesting that they aren't like, you know, amazing transfers. Like, wow, how did they get them? But City are in a real good place this year to kick on. You know, if Liverpool haven't, you know, if they aren't ready to go again, then City will be there to jump on them. So, yeah, I think Guardiola will be fired up for this one. I mean, Matt, you say uh, 
Nathan Ake is obviously their biggest signing, but I mean, for me, Scott Carlson on loan in goal is just, you know, <laughs> can't yeah, beat that. Agreed. <laughs> um, but no, in all seriousness, I mean, yeah, last season City really did show sort of their their sort of fragility a bit, I guess. Um, but they've, you know, we know the quality that they've got. We know that they can they can perform at the highest highest level. Um, and yeah, I just haven't got too much to say on them other than I agree with you. If Liverpool aren't there this season, Man City will 100% be there. Um, and, and I, you know, they're, they're always in a prime position to be fighting for the title. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how they bounce back from a disappointing season for them. Um, Ferran Torres, I watched him play for Spain the other night. Interesting player, talented, loves to run at a player. So quite similar to what they've got in mould for their wingers already. So not not a player who's going to come in and change their style of play. But as we know with Pep, he really only has one style of play. And it works, but it is Pep's way. On, or there's no other way in their team. Nathan Ake at centre-back, like like you both said, he's, he's a very good centre-back. He's a very good Premier League centre-back. Is he a Premier League winning centre-back? I'm not so sure. I might be proven wrong. We might all be proven wrong on that one. But £41 million for them seems quite a lot. I think it'll be very interesting to watch them how they play. Yeah, definitely. I think it's a wide-open title race this season. I think, unlike previous years, you know, any one of five teams could win it. So I think City will be there or thereabouts for sure. And on the other side of Manchester, we've got United. So I don't know what to make of this transfer window, to be honest. They, you know, started in the summer. They were rumoured to be bringing in James, James Sancho for sure. You know, that all fell apart when Dortmund put their... Price way up at 80 million. I don't think United are, are really capable of paying that unless they're going to pay it in instalments, which doesn't seem like a United thing to do. And so they, they've had to, you know, redirect their transfer um, priorities. And so they've signed Donny van der Beek from Ajax, which I think is a great signing for them, actually. I think their midfield now is, is very, very solid. I think when you look at those three players that they have in the centre there, Pogba, Fernandes, and also, also van der Beek, I think those three there could be, you know, mainstays for United for a good three, four years. So I think that is something they needed to shore up and now they've done it. Very interesting to see how those three get on together. And if they can either get Sancho or Grealish in before the end of the window, doesn't look likely right now, but if they do, then this is going to be a, a very exciting season for United. We all saw how they ended the last season, how they were just tearing teams apart up front with those those players. You know, you've got Rashford up there, you've got Martial, you've got Greenwood, and then you've got those three in behind. So they probably could do with a defensive signing. I've got some some problems back there. And um, the other big problem they have is in goal. They've got two goalkeepers there, probably very equally matched, but who are you going to start with? Whoever you're not going to pick there is going to be a bit upset that they're not playing. So, you know, they're one or two issues to sort out United, but I think generally they look in a good place for the season. 100% agree on the, the midfield, bringing Donny van der Beek in, stepping in a strength in the midfield, possibly, on paper, the strongest midfield three, I'd say, in the league. But my worry is he's another more of an attacking midfielder in the centre mid. And is that going to be three players who all play in the same position? Are they going to gel? Are they going to work well? Or is it going to be something like a Frank Lampard, Paul Scholes, Gerrard situation where you've got three players who all want to play the same role? in each other's way and you get the weakness in the defence. My worry, I think Pogba, I can see Pogba being the player who sits. Played that role for France in the final and he was brilliant. So I can see that working well. They've got a good young front three. It'll be very interesting to watch. Defence, when fit, can be quite a strong defence. But I think maybe another centre-back needs to come in. And then in goal, like you say, who do you pick? For me, Henderson. 
but it's going to be a long season with them two battling it out. I feel sorry for Ollie there. That's not going to be easy because it sounds like Henson won't take anything but the number one role. And I can't see De Gea doing anything else apart from being number one. So they're going to be battling out and that's two egos for him to deal with. Yeah, I, I think um, I think what you said, Angus, about uh, Pogba sitting deep is is spot on. That's that's exactly how I sort of see it playing out, and I genuinely think that will work really well for them. Um, Pogba is one of those players who can spread the ball around from that position, and sort of his vision for seeing a run further up the pitch and, and getting the ball to the right place is, I think, pretty much unrivaled um, in terms of players within the Premier League. He's he's so talented at that kind of thing, and with him sitting there and then uh, Van der Beek and um, Bruno Fernandes in front, uh, I think they've got a really good midfield. Their front three is always going to be exciting, whether or not they sign Sancho. Um, and yeah, I just think they, they're, for me, they're sort of dark horses this season to actually potentially challenge for the title, as controversial in an opinion as that might be. It's not the first time I've heard that one. I think many people are tipping them to be there or thereabouts this year. So we will see on that one. A team with probably the most entertaining summer of all time is Newcastle. Was there going to be a takeover? Was there not? Was there going to be one? Was there not? Are they dodgy people? Are we going to let them have even take over the team? Everyone's heard the story, but it looks like that one's fallen apart again. Mike Ashley stays in charge of Newcastle. But to be fair to him, this off-season, he's actually provided some decent cash. And he's actually allowed Steve Bruce to sign some good players, in my opinion. I think that their players may be who fit in well at Newcastle, probably can't go any higher than Newcastle, but they're players who will definitely do bits for them, you know. You look at the two two boys from Bournemouth, you've got Wilson and Fraser. When they were together at Bournemouth, they were electric, you know, Wilson just banging in everything that Fraser put in the box. And, you know, you look at the other two signings, yeah, they're not exciting. Jeff Hendrick on a free, but, you know, he's going to go straight into their starting lineup. He's a robust midfielder that they're probably missing for a couple of seasons now. So he can partner John Joe Shelby in the middle. And then you've got Jamal Lewis, who... Probably didn't get to show just how good he was at Norwich last season. You know, in a relegation battle, it's rare that you come off with a gleaming reputation. So, all in all, those four additions are going to be huge for them. And, you, and you know, I think Newcastle fans would have been fairly happy of last season. Many many were very fearful of relegation under Steve Bruce, but they, they pulled away and they were very comfortably mid-table last season. So, um, with these additions, I can only see them pushing on. So, yeah, I'm fairly optimistic for Newcastle for this season. At the risk of taking the wrath of the Newcastle fans. I actually don't really understand the hate towards Mike Ashley in the last few seasons. I can understand for a few seasons they really struggled to get on board with him. But credit where credit's due. Last couple of transfer windows in a row, he has backed the manager. He's brought in this this summer. We've got Callum Wilson coming in. Proven Premier League striker. Will get them goals. And they desperately needed a good striker last season. And, and I think he's going to be the one. Especially if they can keep him fit. Again, like quite a few players we've mentioned, it's the big if, but I can see it working. Jamal Lewis, like you said, Norwich team last season, awful in defence. Who's going to look good in that side? This season, I think he could push on. He runs down, he gets works down those left wings. He really challenges down from left back. Be interesting what Jeff Hendrick in with John Joe Shelby in the middle of the park. Well, yeah, I, I can see some good things, some good wingers. I think they could be a bit of a dark horse to push into the top end. And maybe in top eight. Very interesting side this season, I think. Yeah, just just a comment on on what you said about Mike Ashley there. Um, I, I have to agree with you. The last transfer windows, last two transfer windows, I, I think he's done what what's really asked of him. I think the the still the the issue for from a Newcastle fans' point of view would be 
you know, why did he wait until Benitez was gone before deciding to back the managers when, when you've got a manager of that talent? Um, why did he not back him when he had the opportunity? Um, and I think that for, for Newcastle fans is always going to be a case of what could have been um, if they'd got the players Benitez wanted um, and, and kept him around. They could really have been consistently challenging in the top 10 and pushing for a European spot. Whereas now, definitely, I think that they've got a chance of top 10, but they're still a long way off getting anywhere near European football, I think. Moving on, we got Sheffield United's last season's you know, surprise team. They they started the season amazingly and they managed to carry it through like the whole way through. And they're kind of unlucky to miss out on European football in the end. At the end of the day, they, they came up with a championship squad and caught a lot of people off by, by the way they play. And I think by the end of the season, teams were starting to wise up to them. And um, yeah, I think that's the reason for their, their slight decline at the end. Um, the off-season for them has seen them make some interesting business. Obviously, the big one for them is that Henderson has gone back to Manchester United. They've lost their number one goalkeeper. But they have signed Aaron Ramsdale, who for me is a future England goalkeeper. I think he is very, very good. And I think, you know, being at Bournemouth kind of helped him have that leadership. He was straight in there at their number one. And I think that really helped him uh, develop as a goalkeeper. And I think he's good business for them for 18 million. I think he's going to be there for a long time. And then you've got two players there from, from Derby, two defenders who were starting for Derby last season for 11 million. I think for two British young defenders, I think that's really good business. For an already strong defence, adding two players like that is, is only going to be beneficial for them. I think my only question for me is that they just haven't bought a striker. And I think that was one of the things last season that they really missed. I think they had two, two three strikers at the club in Billy Sharp, Lise Mousset, and also David McGoldrick, who are just not Premier League strikers. They all did well when called upon, but I don't think they'll be able to do that again this season. And if they don't sign a striker, even, you know, Premier League calibre, I think they could they could well struggle with second season syndrome. So more importantly for them than anything else is to bring in a striker who's going to get them goals because everything else about Sheffield United is is very solid. To stay up this year, they'll, they'll need to, to reinforce. Yeah, I think one of the, the best bits of business for them, really, from my point of view, is, you know, obviously they, uh, they lost Henderson uh, back to Man United, but bringing in Ramsdale um, to, to replace him is... You know, it's, it's a great bit of business, really, uh, considering the circumstances they were in. I think he'll do a great job for them and he'll he'll keep them as a, a solid team that very rarely sort of ships several goals in a game. They're, they're one of those teams that you don't, you never look forward to playing against them because you know that they're going to be tough and they're going to make it hard for you to create chances. Um, and yeah, he's, he's exactly what they needed, considering they, they pretty much knew they were going to lose Henderson. Um, other than that, uh, yeah, I... I don't see that they've really done much to improve in other areas of the pitch. And it would just be interesting to see if they can they can sort of perform at the same level as they did last season. Um, it's going to be a tough ask, as the Premier League always is. Um, but I think they've got they've got the quality in the squad really to to at the very least be mid table. There's there's no risk of them going down as far as I'm concerned. Yes, they had a great season. They really did. But like, like Matt said earlier, there's I think they were starting to get found out. Obviously, teams do a lot of research. They do a lot of watching of how teams play. They started off the season with a very unique, very different formation, which I think caught a lot of teams off guard. But this season coming, they haven't strengthened their midfield. They've not strengthened their attack. Yes, they play a weird formation, which means by strengthening the defensive, kind of strengthen their def- their midfield as well. Aaron Ramsdale coming and go, good signing, good replacement for Henderson. Not quite. I don't think he's quite on the level of Henderson, but still. Top quality, top quality Premiership goalkeeper. But I do have worries that they're going to be found out. Maybe not go down, but I think mid to lower 
Premier League table this this season, which is a bit of a shame. Like the manager, Wilder's quality. So I, I hope to be proven wrong. Yeah, I mean, you could be right there. The, I, I always just think whenever you've got a solid defensive base for the team, you, you're very unlikely to, to be having a terrible season. Um, just looking at their stats from last season, the, the only teams that conceded less goals than them were Liverpool, Man City and Man United. Um, that's a pretty good position to be in as a, as a newly promoted club to, to have like the fourth least goals conceded all season. And I think if they can carry that on this year, they're, they're, I really don't see them doing anything less than just being solid mid-table. Um, but, you know, I've made, I've made uh, more safe-looking predictions than that in the past that have gone horribly wrong, so who knows? Yeah, totally agree. I think Sheffield United will be safe this year. I think, you know, defensively, with stats like that, they're, they're not going to be struggling. Moving on to Southampton, a bit of invested interest here, being the team that I support. Um, interesting summer for us. I think, you know, you look at the state signings we brought in, very good signings in my opinion. I think, you know, you have Kyle Walker-Peters signing on a permanent deal. He was obviously very, very strong for us the last couple of games. I think once he once he took over at right back, he, you know, looked like that was his position. You know, looks like he's going to be irreplaceable there. And then you brought in Mohamed Salisu from Real Valladolid. They've been scouted for a long time. There aren't many left-footed centre-backs in the Premier League and he's he's one of them. And you look at some of the, the things written about him, he just sounds like a really promising signing. I think he's got all the potential in the world. And I think, you know, he's probably going to be off to Liverpool in three or four years. But, you know, that's just the way things are on the South Coast. So we do need to add a midfielder. I think selling Hoiberg, you could argue, is, is, a, is a big deal for us. But I think he is replaceable. I think we'll bring in a centre-mid before the end of the transfer window. And you look at our, our outgoings and we've managed to, managed to shift a lot of deadwood. You know, we've got players who we signed for big transfer fees going either out on loan or being released. So for me, it's been a promising transfer window, but I do think we need maybe one or two signings just to really push on and hopefully avoid a third successive season of relegation struggle. I think Salisu, quality signing. I think he could be one for the other teams to be watching out for. I think he might be potentially working his way to being one of the best centre-backs in the league, not this season, but in seasons to come. Looks like he's a big, powerful centre back. Had a lot of interest from big clubs around the world. Obviously, he wanted to come to a club first to develop himself more. I, I imagine he sees it as a stepping stone. Quite a lot of players do, but I don't mind that too much. If we get players in in the ilk of Van Dijk who come through, who knows? We might push on for Europe. Not this season, I don't think. I think it's a bit too far off for us. Yes, we finished the season amazingly last season, but in the back of your mind, you still have worries. Like. I thought we might have started last season quite well and we got off to a mare. Obviously, the result which I don't want to talk about and several others happened. Like you say, Matt, lots of outgoings, lots of players out on loan. I wish, I wish we could have sold a few of them, to be perfectly honest. Um, like Elanusi, I imagine we're still paying parts of his wages. Mario Lamina, I'm certain we're paying at least 50% of his wages. And that's still going to be a strain on our club. And I think this is why we're not able to, to invest in players as probably as we want us to. Hopefully, hopefully another centre mid comes in. I think that's where we're really missing out. Like you said, Hoiberg went. But I don't don't think he's the quality like the quality player. Hope I think Spurs are hoping they've signed. I think he's very much an average Premier League player. And hopefully, we can get someone a bit more younger, a bit more exciting. Playing alongside James Ward-Prowse, they need to be relatively defensive solid, but it's looking up. Yeah, um, Angus, you said something to me a while ago when we were having a chat, um, which I completely agree with and I think is one of the biggest sort of positives for Southampton, which is that 
the club did really well last season not to get rid of the manager at the time when it was all going really wrong. Um, and the fact that he's still there and still working with the squad, um, it, the, the improvement was just so visible towards the end of last season. The Post-lockdown, post it was great football, really good, really impressive. And if you can continue that into this season, um, got a really good chance of a good season. I can't believe nobody's talked about Danny Ings yet. He had the best season of his life, not even a mention on this podcast. Moving on to Hoiberg's destination from Southampton to Tottenham. Um, what to make of Tottenham? Um, two signings this season. I guess you can't really say Joe Hart's the signing because I don't think he's going to get much game time. But you got Pierre Hoiberg. They needed a centre mid. They got one. They wanted him for ages. They got him for a good price in the end. He was out of contract, so he's gone there. Probably going to start most games for them, but you know, be interesting to see how he plays on the Mourinho team. Much more demanded of him. And then you've got a very exciting signing in Matt Doxia. He's really going to kick on at Spurs. I think he was very, very good for Wolves. You know, week in, week out, getting assists, very attacking. Um, whether he'll be ringed in a bit by Mourinho, I'm not sure. Um, but again, I think two good signings. Probably need a striker just in case Harry Kane inevitably gets injured. Um, you know, these are these are things they need to definitely look out for. And then you've got some outs. You've got some fairly big outs, you could argue. You know, Jan Vertonghen, a mainstay. At Tottenham, you know, he's been in around the first team for a good five, six years now, if not longer. And he's, you know, been released. He's off to Benfica. And then you've got Carl Walker-Peters, who, you know, he's gone to Southampton. So it's like give and take for Spurs. I think this is a very pivotal season for them. You know, they want, they got Mourinho in on the promise that he would deliver silverware. But to me, I think you need a bit more going on in your, in you know, coming in than, that, than just Hoiberg and Doherty. So... Yeah, I think the next couple of weeks will be very important for Spurs, whether they can genuinely challenge for Champions League football, which they weren't anywhere near this season. Yeah, it's sad to see Vertonghen go, um, even for someone like me that really doesn't like Spurs very much. Um, you know, it's never it's never good to see sort of someone who, who has been around the Premier League for so long and has been a real sort of staple of their team and a very imple- impressive player. Um, you know, shame to see him go. Um, and yeah, Matt Doherty coming in, a fantastic signing for them. I think he he was he's been sensational for Wolves. Um, one of their best players doesn't always get the headlines, but I think as as a player that you you want, he he plays for most teams in the Premier League easily. I think um, so. Tottenham getting him for the relatively low price of fifteen million in this day and age, I think, is a really really good signing for them. Um, but I have to agree, I don't think they've done enough to really sort of push on from where they were last season. I, I see it being a very sort of similar season to what they had before. Um, maybe caveated by the fact that they, they were affected heavily last season by injuries. If they can keep their players fit, um, they'll, they'll have a much better chance. But I still think it's going to be a struggle for them to really push to the top four again. Bit of an underwhelming transfer window for my, my eyes. I think they probably needed to do a bit more. Their, their team looks weak in a couple of positions. Like you said, if Harry Kane gets injured, really back up. They've got the young Irish lad. I think his name's Parrot. A lot of work, a lot has been said about him that he's a very talented player coming through, but I haven't seen enough to say if he is going to be good enough to really push push for their team and be there to challenge if Kane gets injured. And I'm not sure if Jose Mourinho has lost that mojo of his. I don't know. Maybe a cup run, but. Just I can't see them. I can't even see them being in the top six. Maybe not even the top eight. I think they might be the team to go for ninth this season. Bold statement there. I mean, Mourinho may still be reeling from his, his dog that died last Christmas. If you haven't been watching his uh, Amazon Prime All or Nothing, then 
yeah, very entertaining. Right, moving on to West Bromwich Albion. Uh, what to say about West Brom? Whenever they've been in the Premier League, I have not enjoyed watching them. So uh, it's difficult for me to be too optimistic for them. I didn't watch too much of them last year, I must admit, but they seem to be pretty steady in the Championship. I think mainly due to the creativity of Grady Diangana, which is their huge bit of business this summer. They've managed to steal them away from West Brom, or West Ham, sorry. Uh, and, you know, that, I think that's a massive transfer for both clubs. For West Brom, he's a great addition, proved very, very valuable in the Championship. And I think he can step up to the Premier League. And I think West Ham will massively miss him. I think letting him go for that price is uh, criminal. And a lot of the players have been very, very outspoken about that. You look at the other signings that West Brom have made, they've just consolidated, really. They've just brought in the player they had on loan last year in Mateus Pereira for 8.5 million. Good business again. He was very creative last year. You look at West Brom and and they've never been great in the Premier League. They've always been a yo-yo team. But if, if there was going to be one year where stability could perhaps, you know, overcome them, maybe they you might find their feet this year. On the I find it mind-boggling that West Ham have let him go for 20 million. It's from the outrage which has come from the players, the captain going, what are we doing selling this player? Immediately shows that he's a player that the other players rate. And that must mean that he's something something special, especially for someone to be so outspoken at the club. And I think Peter might be the man to tell us all about why this is such an outrage. Yeah, definitely. Um, as, a, as a West Ham fan, uh, just absolutely fuming that we've let him go not just for me it's not even about the price it's just the fact that we've let him go you know we've made it clear this this summer that we're you know not going to be signing anyone and I'll, I'll we'll talk about that more when we move on to West Ham um in a second but for West Brom a brilliant signing for them you know he he was running the show for them last season amongst other players um and he just he's he's got that real talent that I think we're all going to get the joy of watching in the Premier League this season. Um, that joy will just be slightly less for me, knowing what could have been. But yeah, just uh, on what Matt said, I have to agree as well. I've, I've never enjoyed watching West Brom. Um, sorry to any West Brom fans listening, but they're just not the team that you look at on the schedule and think, oh, I better watch that game. Um, but yeah. You know, maybe they'll have a good season. Maybe they'll they'll surprise us. They played some good football last season. Bilic has always been a manager who will play attacking football as much as he can. Um, so you know, we could be in for some really exciting games with them this year. Definitely, I think Dean Garner. You know, it just says a lot about West Brom, if anything, because you know he could have gone to a much better team than West Brom, I imagine. But he obviously really enjoyed his time out there on loan last year. So good luck to him. And sorry, Peter. Um, right on to West Ham then. I mean, I think Peter's probably the best man to kick this one off, but I'll just do a quick summary of their transfer business. Uh, Thomas Suchek, his loan moves were made permanent. So 15 million, you know, paid on him. I think that's somewhat justified. He came in and had pretty decent impact from what I saw last year in the middle of midfield. I think he gets forward, he's an aerial threat and um, definitely picked up some points for West Ham when they really needed them at the end of last year. So yeah, I think West Ham could definitely do one or two new faces. There's a lot going on behind the scenes at West Ham. Um, I think Peter might be able to shed some light on that. But at the moment, if they don't bring anyone else in, this is going to be a real real struggle of a season. You know, that there are some some things happening at West Ham right now. Yeah, I think that's probably an understatement. Some things happening at West Ham right now. It's a, it's a mess, to be honest. Um, you'd struggle to find a West Ham fan these days that will do anything other than tell you that the, the ownership and the board are just an absolute disgrace. Um, they probably wouldn't use words quite as polite as that. Um, 
the one bit of business that we have done, suit check-in for 15 million, I'm delighted with. Um, he was fantastic for us last season um, when he came in. And yeah, we've done really well to keep hold of him. And I think the price is great, to be honest, for what he brings to the team. Um, we've just spoken about letting Dian Garner go. I mean, it's just an absolute disgrace. The fact that so many players came out afterwards, Mark Noble, captain of the club, posting a public tweet about how angry he was that the club had let that happen that's not something you see very often from Premier League professionals who have got all their media training and their publicists people telling them what to do you know they know that that's not the way things are done so it must have been a really big deal for that to be the reaction that came out of it um I don't I don't think we'll sign anyone else obviously there's talk at the moment of bids in for Tarkovsky apparently we've gone back in with another bid for just over 30 million Burnley want 50 million in in all honesty, in my opinion, he's a good midfield, a uh, good defender. He's not worth fifty million to us. That's just an obscene. That would make him our, our most expensive signing ever, and we we don't we don't need to be spending that kind of money on Tarkovsky. And realistically, I just can't see us signing anyone else before the end of the se- uh, the end of the window. And yeah, I think we're going to have a really tough season. So that's enough doom and gloom for me. I'll let um I'll let Angus have a couple of digs at me about West Ham now. Like Kaiser used to say, I can predict a riot later in the season. I can see your fans blowing their nut as the season goes on. You're going to have a really difficult one, I think. I, I can't see can't see signing many role players to come in. I, like you said, you, I can't see shelling out 50 million. I can't see Burnley taking any less. So I can't see that happening. And it's going to be a long one, I think, for you. It's, I fear for you. I do. Big stadium. Obviously, you, don't, you haven't spent any money on it, but... I think it could be a challenge for you. It could be a big challenge this season, and it'll be interesting to see how you do. Maybe Moy's first manager will be sacked. I wouldn't be surprised. I, I think uh, I think Moyes is probably more likely to walk than be sacked at this stage. To be honest, I don't think the club um, can afford to sack him. Um, well, they probably can afford it, but knowing our owners, they won't want to because they'd have to give him some money for that. Um, so yeah, I think he's probably more likely to have had enough himself and leave. All right. Next and finally. Heading up the league, we got Wolves. So, interesting summer for Wolves. It started off very quiet. I remember thinking, oh, a Wolves not going to sign anyone. But then, recently, the last couple of weeks, they've made some big business, actually. And um, the most notable of all is a 35 million club record transfer for Fabio Silva, 21-year-old striker from Portugal, from Porto. Um, I think he's a very exciting signing. And he fits perfectly into the mould that Wolves have got going on right now. You know, Portuguese, young, promising, exciting player. And I think, you know, I think he's either going to be very, very good or he might take a while to adapt to the Premier League. Both quite likely. So we'll see what happens with him. And then two more signings and equally Spanish speaking. You've got Marchal, defender, two million. I think he's about 30. I think he's like a defender. I think he'll probably try and fill Doherty's gap, whether he's got it in his legs still. It'll be interesting to see. Maybe it pushes back um, Traore into defence be interesting but um yeah and they've, they've got some noticeable outgoings I think Morgan Gibbs White is one of them that I picked out I thought he was always a player that showed a lot of promise whenever he played for Wolves very young midfielder he's gone on loan to Swansea and one of the things to notice about Wolves now is that takes their tally up to 10 Portuguese players so they could almost field an entirely Portuguese 11 
And on top of that, it takes them to 16 Spanish-speaking players. So, you know, eventually the whole team's going to be speaking Spanish. They may as well be in the La Liga at this point. So, yeah, very interesting to see the project that they're building there. And I think as for Wolves this season, you know, they'll be looking for Europa League again. And I think with the additions they've made, it's realistic for them. You know, they'll, they'll be around that area and um, possibly higher. I think Fabio Silva is going to be a, a pivotal, pivotal signing for them. The crazy thing is, actually, Fabio Silva's only 18. So to have spent £35 million on him, I think it's it's a brave one. Obviously, a very talented player. And to have spent that much money, he must be something special. Well, they must think he's going to be something special. It'll be interesting to see how an 18-year-old from Portugal comes over and adapts to the Premier League. Though we do know... Big, big money signing from Portugal before. Young came over, went on to have quite a good career. So hopefully we might see the game with Fabio Silva. He might be the next big thing. Yeah, so it'll be interesting to see how they do. But I think, like you said, definitely going to be up there again. Really strong side. And I personally, I love Conor Cody at centre-back. I think he's a great defender. And I think they haven't really done much with the defence apart from... Doherty, I think he's going to be a big miss. I think he probably should have strengthened at that in his position. But apart from that, good, yeah, another good window for them. I think actually uh, a big thing for Wolves this season is going to be the the fact they don't have European football to worry about. Um, last season, I feel they they just had such a long season, so many games, such a hectic schedule um, that really sort of made it difficult for them. I think they, they played nearly 60 games over the course of last season, which is a lot for any team to be managing. Um, so the fact they don't have to worry about that this season is probably actually a massive bonus for them. It gives them a season to you know have slightly less uh, fixture congestion, especially with the, the sort of the more congested fixture season that we're already going to have. Um, yeah, I think they, they've got the possibility to carry on pushing. I think they're almost certain to get Europa League don't think they've quite got enough for Champions League yet, but you know, you never know. Leicester did stranger things in the past, so we'll just have to wait and see. Right, that sums up all the teams and the transfers ahead of the season. Now we're all just gonna pick out one player that we think's gonna either you know be better than last season, or one player to watch out for. So one new transfer to watch out for, and one existing Premier League player who we think's gonna kick on the season, and you know do a little bit more than what they did last season. So for me personally, my pick for new addition to look out for is Timo Werner. I think, you know, I, I spoke earlier about how pivotal I think he's going to be for Chelsea. A proven Champions League, Bundesliga goal scorer, I think he's just guaranteed to get goals. Like, you'd be stupid to not think that. Um, and for a player who I think is going to kick on the season, perhaps really set, set alight the Premier League, is Anthony Martial. I think, you know, at the end of last season, we really saw just how good he can be in a system that works for him. Under Mourinho, he was hampered. But, you know, this front three that United now have just is working wonders for him. So those are my two picks to look out for this season. Timo Werner and Anthony Martial. Yeah, for me, I'm going to go with Ollie Watkins. Young, exciting, coming up to the Premier League, big signing. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see what he's doing. Like, Villa spent a lot on him. And I think if he can get some early goals, get that confidence going, scored a lot last season. And I'll be very excited to watch him bang some goals in this season. And then for the current player, it's a bit of a, almost a bit of an obvious one, I think. But yeah, I think Phil Foden, I think he's going to really step into David Silva's shoes and push on forward. I think we all know he's a talented player. He's got, and he's got Pep behind him. He's got players like Kevin De Bruyne around him. 
yeah, I think he could really push on and become a leading light both for Man City and hopefully for England. Yeah, some good picks there from both of you. I think um, my my pick for new addition to watch out for, as much as it pains me to say it, um, Garner. I would have loved it if that had been for West Ham, but it's not to be. I think he's going to be great for West Brom. And as I said earlier, I think we can all look forward to watching him. Um, and then I've gone for a slightly sort of out of left field sort of pick for my current player. Um, I've gone with Alan Maximan from Newcastle. I think he showed real glimpses of just, really great skill and potential last season um I've gone on out on a bit of a limb with this one he might be awful um but you know he's one of those players that he's definitely got the spark and if he if he starts off well gets his confidence and keeps going I think he could be a real exciting player this year yeah I think you chuck those six players into a fantasy team and you think you'll be picking up the points so nice choices all around by everyone moving on to some quick predictions then Let's go with the league champs and who's getting relegated this season as well as who's going to claim the golden boot. So for me, league champions, I'm going for Manchester City. I think the new additions they've made this summer and I think they'll just be a lot more hungry this year to start well and really give Liverpool a good run for their money. Yeah, I think it'll be interesting, but I think City have got it in them. And to be relegated for me, I've got a bottom three of Fulham, unfortunately, followed by Brighton. And then Burnley, very controversial. Burnley, I think, you know, a lot of evidence would would say that they'll probably be fine this year. But um, to me, they just worry me a bit. And I think their time could be coming to an end in the Premier League. As for Golden Boot, I've got to back up my earlier claim. You know, Timo Werner all round. I just think he's naturally suited for the Premier League. So I I really do see him putting many goals in the back of the net. So let's... uh, yeah, what have you got, Peter? Yeah, um, league champions. I've I've gone for Chelsea actually. Um, I think we all said earlier they've had a great transfer window. Um, it might not be enough, and obviously City and Liverpool last season were a level above where they were. Um, but you know we've seen it before with Chelsea. They you know they they have a good transfer window and they they can fly. So we'll see. Um, I think they they they'd be a good one to put money on. Uh, to be honest. Um, to be relegated, very similar to you, Matt. I've gone with Fulham and Brighton. Um, I've, yeah, I'd be pretty certain of those, to be honest. And then uh, the only difference, I've gone for Aston Villa um, to go down as well. Um, like I said earlier, they, they were on the verge of going down last year and they've really don't, not done much to, to strengthen this window. I was tempted to put West Ham in there to go down, but I don't want to be that pessimistic going into the, the new season. And then for Golden Boot, providing he can stay fit, um, I'm backing England's striker Harry Kane to do the business this year, um, especially now with Doherty providing assists from from that uh, area of the pitch as well. I think he's uh, he's got a good chance to score lots of goals this year. So for league champions, I'm going to go with Liverpool. I know it's a bit of, an, a, bit of a cop-out, but... Hey. Fun. Um, yeah, but... So many points ahead from last season. I guess it's a long way for the other teams to make up. Obviously, Man City are the next obvious choice and Chelsea with their signings. But I think maybe just this next season, I think Liverpool could do it again. To be relegated now, this. I've been rattling through my brain all week. I'm going with, same as you two, with following Brighton. And I'm sorry, Peter. I think West Ham. I think it's time to go down. I think it's shocking window. And shocking owners. And I think 
could be your time. I'm sorry to say that. And then Golden Boot, another challenging one. Quite a few players could be up there. But I'm going to go with, if he stays fit, Aguero. How about we do the surprise team of the year? And I'm going to go with surprise team to shock quite a lot of people. Although haven't, we've spoken about them quite a bit. I think I'm going to go with Newcastle. I think Newcastle might be that team to surprise us this season. Yeah, um, interesting choice. Um, as for a surprise team, I'm going to go... Maybe it's not even that surprising. I'm just going to go with Arsenal. I think they have got it in them this year to, to get Champions League. Um, and they belong in that fourth spot, let's be honest. That's where they belong. So if they get fourth, I think you could argue that's a big surprise. So, yeah, I'll go Arsenal. Interesting choice there, Matt. Um, I think you could be right, though. They could do really well, actually. Um, my surprise team, I've actually gone for West Brom. Um, they're, they're that team that we've, we've all said earlier. They're, they're not the, the one you look out for on the, the TV schedule. But, you know, I, th- I do think they've got some exciting players. They looked really good in the Championship last year. And if they can keep that going in the Premier League, I think they could surprise a lot of people this year and, and potentially push for a pretty good finish in the table. Nice. Yep. I think West Brom are a strong shout for that. I already do think that'll surprise a lot of people this year. Uh, right, let's just do a quick prediction for this weekend's fixtures. then. We've got the Premier League kicking off back again on Saturday. And the first game of the game week of the new season sees newly promoted Fulham take on Arsenal at Craven Cottage. For me, I think this is going to be a bit of a baptism of fire for Fulham. I think, you know, they're not going to be used to the attacking firepower that, you know, Premier League clubs have, and especially Arsenal. I think if they're, if they're fully firing, which they were in the Community Shield, then I think they could be a force to be reckoned with. So I'm going to, unfortunately, put Arsenal to take this one 3-1. Perhaps a couple of Aubameyang goals. That's how I see that one going. How about you, Peter? Yeah, I can't see anything other than an Arsenal win. Um, I think last time Arsenal played Fulham at Craven Cottage, I think it was, was it 4-5-0, I think. Um, I can't see it being anything other than, than that again. I, I think the fact you've got Fulham there to score a goal is probably generous. Um, I think they're going to be so pinned back by Arsenal's attack that they're, they're not going to get many chances. Yeah, and again, I've got to agree with both of you. I can only see anything, nothing but an Arsenal win. I think 3-0, 3-0, maybe even 4-0. I think, I think it could be a bit of a drubbing on the first game of the season. Yeah, not looking good for Fulham, early doors. Uh, second game of the game week, we got Crystal Palace entertaining the mighty Southampton at Selhurst Park. So... Southampton have a pretty good record at Selhurst Park, so last couple of seasons we've picked up wins. I don't think it's really different this year. I'm really not too scared of Crystal Palace. Um, we might concede one because our defence is a bit leaky, but I'm going to go for a cheeky 2-1 away win. Yeah, and I'm probably going to match you on that one. I think 2-1, maybe 3-1 Saints. I'm pretty confident coming up against Crystal Palace. Ended the season awfully, so don't think they've got much about them. Yeah, I was going to agree with you both and say Southampton to win that one, but um, Angus tipped West Ham to go down, so I'm, I'm going to go for a 3-0 Crystal Palace win on this result. Cool. No holds barred on that one. <laughs> Can't see it, though. Um, right, and then game three, we got the mighty West Ham, or not so mighty, versus Newcastle. This is quite an interesting game for me, at least. I think you know both these teams struggled last year. In, in a sense, um, I think Newcastle have never been too great away from home. But the turmoil going on at West Ham could well carry over into this game. And I, I do think it will. Um, I think Newcastle are going to be you know, up and about. I think they'll be quite buoyant over their summer signings. And I think they're going to get the win. I think it'll be close. I think it'll just be a 1-0 away win. 
I'm I'm not sure in this game to be honest. I mean, what history tells us in recent years with this game is there's always lots of goals. Um, there's been several three twos. There's been a two two. There's been several three nils. There's normally quite a lot of goals go flying in. Great prediction from me then. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, I'm actually going to back West Ham to win this one. I think um, I'm I'm hoping they're going to take the the anger from what's happened to fire them up. I think they're also going to look at the fixtures that are coming up after this, where we've got a horrific run of fixtures following this game. And they're going to look at this as a must-win game and hopefully go all out and get the three points so that we can at least not be on zero points after seven matches, which will be nice. I'm I'm going to go for a score draw. I think one one. I think Newcastle. I think they will build into the season. Get stronger as it goes along. But I think too too soon for their new players to gel. I, I'm not sure they'll be quite ready for the, all their players to fit in as they would have hoped. Nice. Okay. Interesting predictions there. And probably the standout game from match week one is Champions Liverpool versus newly promoted Leeds. Uh, interesting fixture for quite a lot of reasons. Um, you know, probably haven't played each other for for quite a while now, and I think you know Leeds will be will be well ready for this game. You know, this is what they've been waiting for to get back in the Premier League. They'll be itching to show people just how good they are, and um, Liverpool will have to be on it to you know to to, to reaffirm their their quality. I think um, I do think Liverpool will get the win. I think you'd be somewhat naive to, to, to be suggesting that Leeds can pick something up at Anfield. But I do think it will be a, a couple of goals in this game. I do think Leeds will get on the score sheet. So I'm going to go, I'm to go for a narrow 2-1 win for Liverpool. I think, you know, first day of the season, I think it could be a bit edgy. So, yeah, I'll go for Liverpool to nick it. Yeah, I'd agree with you. I think a 2-1 to Liverpool. Um, I can definitely see Leeds giving them a good go. But um, we just know Liverpool at Anfield in the Premier League is just... That's a challenge. Um, and for a newly promoted team, that's that's a really tough one. Um, so, yeah, 2-1 Liverpool. Yeah, I, I, see, I see Leeds coming out the gates really, really hard, really quick. Probably getting a relatively early goal, about 15 minutes into the game, going 1-0 up. Then, I think Liverpool's class will show. And I think 3-1 Liverpool. I'm saying a few late goals later in the game, 60 minutes onwards, but I think 3-1 Liverpool. And then on Sunday, we've got two games. So one of them is West Brom versus Leicester. Very exciting fixture. I'm sure Peter's pumped for this one. Um, West Brom, Leicester. For me, I actually think West Brom might get off to a winning start. I really do. I think uh, I think their business in the summer has been pretty good. And um, returning to their Premier League against the Leicester side, who probably you know, aren't going to be as up for it. You know, um, I'm actually going to go for a big one. You know, I'm going to go for a 3-0 West Brom win. And that is putting it out there. That is a, a bold prediction, um, but I think you could be right. Um, yeah, West Brom are going to be up for it. Leicester should be up for it, but, you know, we'll see. Um, I, th- I think West Brom could win that, and um, it could be a very good start for them. Um, taking sort of a, a fairly biggish scalp early on could give them a, a lot of confidence going into their next few fixtures. I can, I, I can only see this game being a bit of a bore draw. I think I'm going to go for nil-nil. I think... West Brom are going to come up. They're going to want to be defensively solid to start the season. I think they're going to know what concede. They're going to try and get a point at home. Against Leicester, though, yes, they finished the season not as well as they would not want to, but they did come fifth. They got a lot of attacking prowess. I think West Brom might go, let's hold back, get a point, get a good, off to a relatively solid start and see how the season kicks on from there. All right, and then next up we've got Tottenham versus Everton. Again, quite an evenly matched contest, in my opinion. I think both teams will be 
fighting for the similar spots in the league this year. Um, Tottenham being at home is a bit of an advantage. Uh, I can see this being a draw, though. I think a, a one-all draw. Maybe Harry Kane getting his campaign for the Golden Boot underway with a goal. And then, you know, you look at the talent that Everton have brought in over the summer, maybe one of their new boys can get on the score sheet. So, yeah, I'm going to go for a one-all draw. Yeah, I think this is going to be a really interesting game to see sort of how these two teams look going into the rest of the season. Um, they're, they're both sort of, as you said, Matt, they're, they're both players, uh, both teams that are going to be fighting for similar positions. And yeah, it's going to be interesting. I, I, I'm i going to go with a, a Tottenham win. Um, I think they've probably got just that little bit extra quality. But, you know, Everton, I think we'll, we'll push them. I don't think it's going to be a big win, maybe 1-0. And now I'm going to go the complete opposite to you, Peter. I'm going to go with an Everton win. I think they're going to be buoyed by the good summer transfer window they've had. Players coming in like Hamish Rodriguez. Ancelotti's had a bit of time. Not as much time as he would have wanted, but a bit of time with the players. Quality manager. And I'm going to go with 2-1 Everton. Interesting predictions all round there. Uh, Next up, we've got Brighton versus Chelsea on Monday night. Uh, for me, this has only got one result written over it. I mean, yeah, Brighton are at home, but uh, last season I can remember Chelsea putting quite a few past Brighton. Or is that a different game? That might be the season before. Um, but either way, I think with these new signings that Chelsea have, they might not all start this game. But I imagine Werner will, and, and I imagine Havertz will. So I think those two combined, um, you know, spells danger for Brighton. I think it's not going to be as heavy defeat as people might predict. I'm just going to go for a 2 0 away win for Chelsea. I reckon. Chelsea to win 3-0, I think. Timo Werner get off to a cracking start, really take the Premiership by the square off of his neck. Two, two goals for him and one of the other players in the team popping up with another, and I think 3-0. I'm going to stick another two goals on there and say 5-0 Chelsea. Um, I've, I've got Brighton down to be relegated. I just can't see them getting anything, and I think it could be a really big start for Chelsea. I know 5-0 is a bit of a, a wild prediction, but stranger things have happened. Brutal for Brighton there. See if that one turns out. And then lastly, because we've got obviously only eight fixtures this game week, we've got Sheffield United versus Wolves. Um, Interesting game. I think at the end of last season, Sheffield United got the better of Wolves. Um, For me, I think this is going to be a draw. I would like to to see Wolves win. But for me, I think Sheffield United will be up for it. They're much better at home than they are away. And yeah, I'm just going to go... Actually, I'll go over a big draw. I'll go over two or draw. Um... Yeah, I'm going to go with the draw as well for this game. It's got a draw written all over it for me. Um, I'm going with 1-1. Yeah, I just don't think it's going to be a great game, to be honest. And sadly, I'm not going to break the mould either, so I see another draw. I think 1-1. I can can see that as well, Peter. Might be the first time we ever agree on anything, but uh, (laughs) yeah, so that brings an end to it. A big thank you to everyone that's tuned in for this episode of the 3PL podcast, hopefully the first of many. We'll be back next week for a summary of all the action from week one. In the meantime, you can find us on Twitter at 3PL podcast or on YouTube using the same name. We'll catch you same time next week.